0: This podcast is brought to you by the Gosh Learning Academy. Hello and welcome to the first ever series of Gosh Pods Goes Green. Over the next six weeks on Gosh Pods, we will be focusing on the important issue of sustainability in healthcare, looking at the issue of climate change and how healthcare practices are contributing to this emergency. In this first episode, I will be talking to Dr. Johnny Groom, a consultant anaesthetist at the Royal London Hospital, former GOSH Fellow, and the founder of GASP, the Greener Anesthesia and Sustainability Project. Today he is giving me an introduction to the topic of climate change and explaining how it impacts our health and, conversely, how our healthcare systems impact climate change. We hope you enjoy listening. Thank you so much, Dr. Green, for coming on the show and talking to me today.
1: Oh, it's, it's an absolute pleasure.
0: So, let's just start at the beginning with some definitions, I suppose. So, firstly, what do we mean when we talk about climate change?
1: When we're thinking about climate change itself, I think it's quite common to get fixated on. Maybe what we see in the news, these sort of extreme weather events and all these sort of individual events that happen at a specific point in time. Whereas climate change is a slow marauding process that is unfortunately being accelerated due to the actions of humans. And a lot of this is due to trapped energy occurring because of emissions that we release. And since the pre-industrial era, we've seen a huge spike in emissions such as CO2 and other greenhouse gases, trapping this energy within our atmosphere. And that energy or trapped heat can lead to overall warming of our planet, but also the trapped energy needs to be released in some ways, And that's why we start to see an increased rate of things such as extreme weather events like hurricanes. So when we're thinking about our changing climate, we're not necessarily thinking of individual weather events, but we're thinking of frequency of those events and an overall change in our entire global ecosystem towards a more warmer and energy intensive environment. But I have to caveat with that, I'm not a climate scientist, so that was probably got a woolly response to it, but that's the way I like to view it.
0: Okay, now I thought that was a pretty great answer, actually, that summarized it really nicely. So I guess, secondly, why is it important that as healthcare professionals, we understand and care about climate change beyond maybe the way we care about it just as concerned citizens of the world.
1: Yeah, and this is it. It's it's something that starts off as being this nebulous thing that it's really hard. You know, it's something that people get very worried about. People are very, you know, you've got activists going out there and talking about the climate crisis, but why is a health professional concerned? Well, it took me a while to really understand how bad our changing climate is for us as humans, I mean, initially on the face of it, there are certain things that my mind can understand, i.e. pollution is bad for us. I know pollution is bad for the lungs, it's bad for the heart, it's bad for the brain, and that I can understand. But that doesn't really encapsulate the whole of climate change. So the more and more I've sort of dug into it and read amazing things, such as the Lancet Countdown on, on on Health and Climate Change, which reports on health metrics year in and year out, I'm afraid to say they are all getting worse. But we start to see these acute insults related to our changing climate. And they can be, for example, from a forest fire, from an extreme weather event. So these injuries associated with those big events that happen, but there's also downstream effects that occur. So if you can imagine there's been an extreme weather event that has led to your home, your school, GP surgery, your supermarket. All being destroyed, you then start to impact things that actually directly affect our health, the social determinants of health. So when you start getting populations where their entire area has been decimated or destroyed, those populations will start to become unhealthy as a result. Then on top of that, add in food and water supply issues. Again, this is going to lead to unhealthy populations. But there's all weird and wonderful ones as well, such as changes in vector ecology. We're starting to see insect-borne illnesses, which would normally favour sort of more tropical environments. As the environment changes, they're coming into areas which we'd never really considered them before. So we're getting things like dengue fever in Southern Europe and Zika virus starting to spread more to the North Americas. Malaria becoming more prevalent in certain areas as well. And we're seeing Lyme disease in the UK increasing in prevalence rates. So we see those things. But then on top of that, you've got potentially injury, downstream effects of this. You've also got situations where it's just too hot for people to actually exist and work. So you're seeing heat-related deaths happening. And I think one of the last Lancet countdowns that I, I really got stuck into, I think it reported about 295 billion work hours were lost in a single year due to it being too hot to work. And and people can't work. That's going to impact their income streams. And again, that's going to directly affect their health. But unfortunately, all of these things just act to exacerbate pre-existing healthcare inequalities. So people that are already struggling from an income perspective, from an availability of food, availability of work, they are going to be the ones that are impacted worse when it comes to all of these catastrophic events that are already happening. But then add on top of that, if you have a situation where... Where you live is uninhabitable, either because it's too hot, there's no food, it's underwater, you're forced to migrate. And what happens and what we're expecting to happen is a significant amount of internal migration occurring between now and 2050 as a result of our changing climate. And unfortunately, when you get people that are forced to migrate and share limited resources and any of these sort of stresses, you create the conditions rife for conflict. And I think out of the 25 countries at greatest risk of climate change, 14 of them are already mired in conflict. So it's a really significant health issue. It affects us at so many different levels when it comes to human health. And if you don't believe me, you can listen to the, I think it's 48 million other healthcare workers that signed an open letter to leaders at COP in Glasgow last year, demanding immediate action, all describing the climate crisis as the single biggest public health threat facing humanity. So those are some really strong words from a lot of people within the health domain. And it's something that I think we should all be taking seriously as healthcare professionals.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting kind of overview, I guess, of exactly why it's such a big problem. And I mean, as well as it being a healthcare emergency, the healthcare systems are also contributing to the climate emergency themselves. Is that right?
1: Yeah. I mean, the health systems are in themselves industries. We you know industries have emissions associated with it. And there's been work looking into this over, over the last decade or so, done by some incredible organisations in, in the UK and abroad. And I think the real landmark paper that came out in, in 2019 was done by Healthcare Without Harm. And that, that sort of wanted to basically sort of model and look and see what healthcare's climate footprint actually is. And what it showed was pretty stark. It showed that healthcare's emissions basically made up about 4.4% of our total emissions. And that's basically the equivalence of, I think it was about 514 coal fire power plants, I seem to recall when I read the paper. So it's really quite energy intensive stuff. And while 4.4% doesn't necessarily seem like a lot in the grand scheme of things, this is supposed to be the thing that's making us better, but we're actually contributing to the problem. And one thing it also noted in this paper is on the whole, these emissions are linked to healthcare spending. So countries that spend more on health, which is a good thing, are emitting more. So I think it should be our mission now to try and decouple that relationship. So that we're not just associating healthcare spending with increased emissions. And that's what I really think our, our target should be. And I think that's where our responsibility is. That we should be leading on that in the UK. And I think the UK is starting to really take that seriously now.
0: And where is all this carbon coming from within healthcare? How do we produce so much?
1: Well... <laughs> well, I first found myself asking this question, and in fact, the main reason why I got into sustainable healthcare about six years ago, I was I was totally obsessed with the bin, what was going in the bin, and with recycling, and you know, I think I was known by most of the consultants that were training me as, at the time as the rubbish trainee because I literally spent most of my time rooting around in bins in the theatre. But I think. What I've started to realize from the reading that I've been doing is actually, that's not where all of our emissions are coming from. In fact, it only forms quite a small part of our carbon impact as a health system. And in fact, 60% of our emissions fall into an area which we call scope three emissions. Basically, emissions related to supplies, be that medicines or equipment that we bring into the hospital. So that's where we really start need to focusing our energies on as we progress towards our net zero target. And how do we do that? Well, it's difficult. We need to work with industries, be that through lobbying them or working alongside them to try and make them more green. And reasons Mm -hmm. why that's important is because every single thing that they provide to us in hospital, be it a packet of paracetamol, be it a laryngoscope, be it a a crutch used by a patient, well, they all have emissions associated. And we're starting to learn more and more about the embedded emissions within the items that we use due to people doing what we call life cycle assessments. And this is basically looking at the embodied emissions within that product from the mining of the material resource, such as iron ore or oil, through to the manufacturing of the product, the transportation of that product, its use within the hospital setting, and then its disposal be it in a clinical waste incinerator or a recycle bin. So we're starting to get much more of an idea of what the carbon impact is of the stuff that we're using so that we can start to make sensible decisions. And one of the most impactful things I think the NHS has been looking at, has been doing recently, has been within their procurement strategy. And what they're effectively saying is you can no longer be a supplier of goods or services to the NHS by 2030, unless you're making progress towards carbon reduction strategies. And what that's going to do is have huge downstream impacts affecting other industries. And and I, I speak to industries on a frequent basis, and they are concerned. They're wanting to become greener as a result of what is effectively quite a big stick that the greener NHS movement is using. And that's really exciting and really encouraging. So yeah, in answer to your question, a large proportion of our emissions is coming from the stuff that we bring in on site. But again, other emissions come from the energy use that we have within our hospitals. Hospitals are very energy intensive environments and obviously general practice as well, but uh, primary care and all the wider services, they all use quite a significant amount of energy. Transportation, so be that patient, logistics or staff. And then things such as anesthetic gases as well and inhalers, which we know are also poaching to greenhouse gases. So I think that's pretty much the, what was called the wheel of emissions that the Greener NHS movement have published. And it's definitely something I advise you all to look at the right to net zero on the Greener NHS website, which will give some really good information related to that.
0: So you've mentioned some specific things that the NHS are doing in an attempt to reduce its carbon footprint. Have they set any formalised goals or targets?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so the NHS is committed to being what we call a net zero health system, and the targets that they've set for that are: we've got our initial target for the emissions that the NHS directly controls by 2040, and for the emissions that the NHS influences by 2045. So, to put that in other terms, the emissions that we directly control are the ones that are linked to the health institutes that we work in. So, that could be things such as the electricity used to power that hospital, the gas used to heat that hospital, or GP surgery, the anaesthetic gases produced and transport directly linked to that setting. Whereas the NHS influences are more related to the things that we bring into site or the scope three emissions. So, things like supplies, medicines, and patient and self travel as well.
0: Thank you. That's been a fantastic introduction to the issue of climate change. And I've definitely learned a lot that I didn't know about the impact of healthcare and hospitals on carbon emissions. So I really hope people listening have learned something new as well. And want to say thank you once again for talking to me.
1: It's an absolute pleasure.
0: In next week's episode of Gosh Pods Goes Green, I'm going to be speaking to Johnny again. This time, looking in a bit more detail about the ways in which we use energy in healthcare, particularly in the operating theatre but applicable in a variety of different settings, and looking at what we can do to reduce our environmental impacts and make a difference. We hope you can join us then. The team at the GOSH Learning Academy would love to get your feedback on the episode, as well as hear your suggestions for future topics you'd like to hear on GOSH Pods. You can find a link to the feedback survey in the description for the episode. If you want to hear more about the work of the GOSH Learning Academy, you can find us on social media on Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn or you can visit our website at www.gosh.nhs.uk and search Learning Academy. Thanks for listening to GOSH Pods and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.